She takes a little bottle of Evian water out of the cumbersome bag and passes it to Melody. There, she says. There you are. Melody presses the cool bottle against her cheek. She sees Jojo staring at her. Bully boys' faces can be blank, absolutely blank, as though they'd never learned to say their own names. So, says Jeanne Viala in her teacher voice, I wonder who can tell me, after the presentations we saw at the museum, how silk is made. Melody looks away, up, sideways, far away at the jumping light, at the invisible wind. All round her, the children raise their arms, bursting to tell Mademoiselle Viala what they know, or what Melody suspects they have always known, because they're part of this landscape and were born out of its earth. Jojo says it. Silk is made by worms. He, like the others, always knew it. Everybody learned about it from their grandparents or great-grandparents, and only she, Melody Hartman from Paris, had never ever thought about it until today, until Jeanne Viala took the children to the Museum of Sevenol Silk Production at Ruas. Right, says Mademoiselle Viala. Don't all shout at once. You tell me, Melody. Imagine you wanted to breed a healthy crop of silkworms. What would be the first thing you would do once you'd bought the eggs? The first thing. She looked down at her hands, which are dirty with sweat and dust, with human mud. Keep them warm. She whispers it, her voice smaller than the voice of some tiny creature living between two stalks of corn or underneath a tree root. Yes, says Jeanne Viala. Good. And how would you do that? Melody wants to say, I said my answer. I said it. I don't want to say any more of it. But she just keeps looking down at her muddy hands, clutching the Evian bottle. I know, says Jojo. We know, say two girls, two inseparable friends, Stephanie and Magali. Go on then, Magali, you tell us, says Jeanne Viola. Magali's face is scarlet, puffed out with pride and embarrassment. My grand told me, she explodes. You put them in a pouch and you stick the pouch up your knickers. As laughter breaks round her, Melody gets up. Her legs feel trembly, but she walks as fast as she can away from the huddle of children. Red-backed crickets jump and flit in her pathway. She snaps off a stick with a brittle seed head at its tip and tries to stop the insects coming near her with this. She hears the teacher call to her, but she doesn't turn. Surely Jeanne Viala knows, surely she does, that if you've lived your life in Paris, ten years of it, then you're homesick for the city, for a nice, clean, carpeted room in a nice apartment, and you don't want to talk about worms writhing in a pouch under your skirt. Because it isn't as if Paris had been obliterated. It's still there. Your street is there, your apartment, the room that was once yours. And it's only you who are never going back, never, because Papa has been given a great opportunity. Papa has been offered a promotion. He's been made the head of a laboratory of medical analysis in Ruas. Head? It's fantastic, says Maman. You have to understand that it's a wonderful chance. And all it means is, Paris has disappeared.
Now there is a house made of stone, way out on its own in a shadowy valley. Mosquitoes whine in the dark, hot nights. The house is known as a mass. In the crannies of its stones, where the mortar has flaked or fallen out, scorpions hide from the sun. And sometimes there is one, black and deadly, on the wall of your bedroom, and Papa has to come, and he brings a wooden mallet or a hammer. Blood comes to his face. The blow of the hammer leaves a mark on the plasterwork of the wall. There, he says. It's all right now. It's no more. No more. No more walks home from school past the optometrist's shop and the flower shop and the patisserie on the corner. No more winter afternoons when the Paris sky is electric blue behind the shoulders of buildings. No more ballet class, swimming.